0: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together, we can be Hopefully Sustainable. Hello everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. I am back from my week off and I really hope that everyone was still able to enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday even if it may have looked a little different for you and your family this year. I hope that everyone stayed safe and healthy and are feeling refreshed and ready for the rest of the holiday season. Today, we are talking about a very interesting topic which is tiny house living. Over the past few years, I feel like the tiny house movement has really become a part of the mainstream conversation centered around sustainable and simplistic living. So today, I am introducing all of the listeners to Sophie Youngbauer. Sophie and her husband designed and built their own tiny house located in Minnesota. While Sophie was in college, she took some courses centered around the tiny house movement as well as zero-waste living. Rather than just taking the information and turning in a paper on it, she decided to take that knowledge to the next level. Her and her husband, Henry, designed and built their own tiny house and recently celebrated one year of tiny house living sophie is going to tell us all about the tiny house movement about the thoughtfully designed features of their own tiny house and talk about how living in a tiny house can really lead to living a more sustainable minimalist and simplistic lifestyle i really hope that everyone enjoys the episode and even if you aren't considering tiny house living yourself i think that you can take away a lot from this episode as sophie really teaches us how we can implement sustainability minimalism and just simplicity in general into our lifestyles so let's get started and enjoy the show sophie thank you so much for being here today can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are
1: i'm sophie Youngbauer. my husband and i live in a tiny house in northern minnesota Um, We designed and built it ourselves, and the idea for us behind going tiny was to live more sustainably and really live out our values. So the name that we go um, by is RAD Tiny Home, and that stands for Rethinking the American Dream, and that kind of came from a paper that I wrote when I was in college. It was called Rethinking the American Dream, Downsizing as a Sustainable Solution. So I looked at the tiny house movement and how Um, That was kind of one answer, um, how to live more sustainably. And we kind of looked at it as a good way to live out our values. And so um, we designed and built it ourselves, and we have been living in it for over a year
0: now. Wow, a year. I bet. Has it gone by fast?
1: (laughs) It has. And I think for a lot of people this year has kind of flown by. I really can't believe that it is already at the end of the year. Um, we moved in at the end of August last year and um, didn't get much of a gap between when it turned into winter. We're in pretty uh, northern Minnesota, so we got about a foot of snow on Thanksgiving last year. Wow. And um, it's definitely taken a little um, getting used to how cold it gets here. And then we also had to finish up quite a few projects. Um, When we moved in, it was livable, but not necessarily functional. So we've spent kind of the last year completing projects and um, just kind of finishing things off to how we wanted them to be.
0: Before we get into your specific tiny house, I'm interested when you were doing your research about the tiny house movement, how did the tiny house movement get started? I feel like over the past few years, you've seen a lot more tiny homes in the more mainstream, and they seem to be a lot more popular. Do you know what caused them to become so popular recently? Yeah, so
1: the tiny house movement, the modern tiny house movement, I think really exploded around um, 2010 or so. Um, People that are kind of called like the pioneers were living in, in tiny houses, I would say in the early 2000s. But of course, there's always been tiny homes um, just the on wheels is kind of a, a newer idea.
0: Mm. And
1: um our tiny house is actually bigger than most tiny houses um, early on on the movement. Now I'd say we're maybe mid-sized. Um, it's kind of gotten bigger as the the movement has grown because I think a lot of the kind of pioneers of the movement were single people wanting to go tiny, and now you'll see up to like families with multiple kids living in tiny houses. So um, it kind of just depends who you talk to. Of course, Um, when you look into the literature, there's always been environmentalists living in small cabins in the woods and things like that. But um, for my research, I really found that the size of the average American household had really increased in um, the last few years. And so even though the sizes of families are going down, the sizes of the American house square footage-wise was going up. So it's kind of this interesting, you'd think that if families are getting smaller, then their houses would be getting smaller, but kind of the opposite. And so I looked at what the idea of the American dream is, which for many people, it's kind of an interpretation of it. But for many people, it's a economic dream and also owning your own home and the idea that more and bigger is better. And so we kind of wanted to challenge that and challenge the kind of cultural norms that you think that what you're supposed to do, what looks what looks successful, I guess is kind of <laughs> what we're challenging by living this way.
0: Yeah. Well, you hit on it a little bit, but I was interested what made you want to take the leap into moving into a tiny home. I know a lot of us probably did research projects in college, but never actually acted upon them. So what made you want to fulfill living in a tiny house?
1: Well, before I did that research, I actually took a class that was called Consumption and its Consequences. It was an anthropology class, and one of the assignments was to go through our dorm rooms and list all of our possessions that we had in our dorms. And as most people know, dorm rooms are not very large but a lot of things fit in a dorm room so I had to do this exercise and it was before my husband and I um, at the time boyfriend had even started dating and I kind of went through that and realized how much I had and like why did I have all of that why was that necessary when I considered myself to be a pretty sustainable person I always recycled um, I grew up in a household that composted I, I thought of myself as a pretty sustainable person but I had never really Considered the implication of clothing and stuff, and what that meant from an environmental um, standpoint. So once I took that class, um, and then I actually met Dee Williams the next year. So she is one of the kind of founders of the tiny house movement, and I mm-hmm. read her memoir. Um, and basically, her memoir is her account of building her own tiny house, and then how life changed for from her or for her. And um, to sum it up. Um, She kind of got closer to nature and understood that the connection between your things and being happy isn't really a strong connection. She realized when she got rid of most of what she had, she was happier. So I, I thought that was really interesting and just kind of doing an assessment and like thinking about why it was that we wanted what I thought I wanted. And things like that, and then of course once Henry and I um, were dating, and I brought this up as an idea, I think he thought I was crazy to begin <laughs> with. But I think the more and more we talked about it and why, the why behind it, not just oh we want a tiny house, um, it became clear that we both were like really excited about it, and we also like m- most college graduates, um, we graduated and then started renting. And we lived in the Twin Cities at the time. So our first apartment was about um, 800, maybe 850 square feet, okay. um, which is a decent sized apartment. It's not huge. It's not tiny. But we realized with the more space you have, you just, you just fill the space you have. So kind of confining yourself to a smaller space really makes you think about, is this something I really need? And if so, where is it going to go? And do you have to get rid of something um, if you're going to purchase it? Um, And then um, in preparation for going tiny, we went into a studio that was actually about 400 square feet. So (laughs) that was the, the, the prep to getting ready for the tiny house.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that you guys kind of experimented at first to see if it was something you would enjoy, because I feel like maybe a lot of people would just say they wanna go live in a tiny house and just make the jump and then not necessarily work out, but it seems like you and Henry were both really prepared for it.
1: Yeah, for somewhat. um, The thing I will say is that you realize in a small space how important the function and having a space and like organization is because in the studio, it was really not designed for two people at all. You walked in, there was no entry, the closet was like very deep, but you couldn't really get to most of the storage. And then we tried to fit like a couch and a bed into one small room and it really didn't work. So even though we have about the same amount of square footage, we have a lot more livable space here because our bed is lofted and we have an additional guest loft.
0: Mm, Okay. So I know you and Henry actually built your tiny house. Is that pretty typical? Do most people who live in tiny houses build them or Can you buy a fully done tiny house?
1: Yeah so the tiny house movement like the modern tiny house movement is definitely built off of people wanting to do it themselves because when you build it yourself you save a lot of money on costs, um, labor costs especially. We really do not want to look at how much it costs us if we put our sweat equity into it because I have a feeling Uh, we would not be very happy uh, actually realizing how much time we put into it. Um, So we kind of decided that we wanted to build it just one for the experience, if something breaks, we know how to fix it. And then also to have control over all the aspects of the build, Um, it is very, very customized. And so if to get this level of customization would cost quite a bit because it is so customized. But there are a lot of tiny house companies that um, are willing to help design homes and then build what's called a shell. So um, you can buy a shell build, which basically means the exterior will be finished for you and it will be dried in. So it can be out in the weather and you don't have to worry about it getting rained on, but you would then be responsible for finishing out the interior. And it just depends on the company, kind of what level um they're able to do you might i i don't know because we didn't look into these options but um, i'm guessing that there's ones that you could do a shell and they would do the plumbing and electrical for you too but it kind of just depends what you want Um, now that we're 10 to 15 years into the modern tiny house movement there are quite a lot of um, tiny house builds that you can purchase use that were diy builds there's a couple different websites that You can go on and kind of look for that if that's what you're looking for. But um, there are a lot of tiny house company building companies popping up all over the place. But of course, the unique unique thing about tiny houses is that generally they are on wheels. So um, if there's a company that you really like and they're 500 miles from you, you could still potentially buy your house from them.
0: So where did you and Henry even begin when you decided that you wanted to build your own tiny house? Did either of you have experience with building or construction?
1: So I think we decided that we wanted to do the tiny house right around the time we were graduating from college. Um, Henry was a computer science management minor, I believe, computer science major, but he kind of decided he didn't want to do that at all. (laughs) Um, And ended up in a job he didn't really like, and I uh, got an environmental studies degree with uh, also majoring in anthropology. I was double major, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that either. So after I had done that research paper, I had actually interviewed some architects that were doing green building, and so I got interested in the field of architecture. So I did a two-year technical program, and um, Henry, after a while, ended up. Working for a custom home builder um, as a residential framer. So he had kind of the framing experience, and then from the two year technical program I did, and then eventually getting into the architecture field, um, I had some design experience. So we figured it was a good kind of a good combo. Um, We hadn't necessarily done any like interior kind of work um and i had some experience with like materials and things but i was mostly dealing with a commercial commercial side of architecture so we had a little bit of experience but not not a ton um and i don't know i think the the idea of just being able to design it exactly how we wanted to um just seemed like it made sense for us to do it and then um i also think i mentioned we used um really really good building materials so uh, we connected with um, Isabel Nagelbryce she has a store called a tiny, tiny good thing and she sells um, specifically like sustainable building products and she mm-hmm. also built a tiny house um, and so we went through her to get some of the bu- building materials which ended up taking more time than probably conventional building materials because there's uh, for example, there's two house wraps. So there's one on the exterior and then there's also one on the interior. So some of these extra features that we did probably, I'm not going to say that they wouldn't be available, but it definitely would have cost a lot to have a like a custom builder do it who hadn't worked with them before.
0: Well, that must have been really amazing to be so involved in the design and construction process and see it all really come together from paper to actually living in it.
1: Yeah, it was kind of surreal. I still uh, will go back and look at the build pictures and kind of have to hit myself (laughs) to realize that we built it. Um, I think, right, like as soon as we started living in it, it kind of was, I mean, we were still like finishing it as we lived in it. Um, And now I think that that's kind of worn off. But then I'll look at pictures and, you know, remember the many hours spent doing this one thing on the house. So it's kind of uh, fun looking back on it now that we're on the other side of it.
0: So about how long did it take from start to finish to build the tiny house? So we
1: picked up a trailer in Portland, Oregon. So we ended up, we flew out there and then drove back with it. We found a company that makes specific trailers for tiny houses. Um, and that was kind of a fun trip because we actually stayed in an Airbnb that was a tiny house. Um, Portland is known for having a lot of tiny houses. So oh. that was actually our first time staying in a tiny house was on the trip <laughs> out together, our trailer. Um, so we're glad we liked the stay. Yeah, um, I guess there wouldn't have
0: been any going back after that.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> we picked it up in April and we actually salvaged all of our windows except for the circle window um, so it took a while to pick or to find the windows we wanted to use and we needed to know the exact sizes of them before we started the framing because the window sizes obviously impact the framing so rather than starting to build right away like we thought we didn't really start building the walls until about September. So the majority of the exterior part of our build actually happened through the winter in Minnesota. Not the best planning on our part, but was certainly an experience to remember. And it was also tricky because like I said, we lived in the twin cities, which is a pretty, um, pretty like, you know, it's a city so we couldn't build in the city and we were building on property about an hour from where we were living. And Henry also worked Saturdays. So the only day we had to work on it was Sundays. So um, we built for about a year and a half before we moved in. But the first um, six to seven months of it, we were only working on it one day a week. Um, and then we kind of, it was a very strange build schedule, but um, about a year and a half until we moved in.
0: When you are having to buy the appliances for the tiny house, I know most people who live in a conventional home would go to a Home Depot or Lowe's or a store like that. Can you buy appliances anywhere or do you have to get specific smaller appliances to fit in the tiny house? Yeah, so
1: for the most part, um tiny house appliances are definitely smaller. We did get our fridge from like a Home Depot. It's just a apartment-sized. Uh, fridge, but it still fits quite a lot. but we did actually design the house around the fridge as silly as that fu- sounds because we had to fit the fridge between the bathroom and the window. We needed to make sure that there was enough space there and that there was going to be enough head height for it. So our fridge we got from Home Depot and then our stove um, is actually a um, I think it's a marine company makes them. Um, So, that was definitely more specific than our, I don't know if a shower is considered an appliance, but we just got like a fiberglass um, enclosure also from like a uh, Home Depot. And then we have an on-demand water heater, which um, people put those in their regular homes too. So, um, definitely needed to like, figure out what we were doing ahead of time. So we could make sure that there was going to be space, but we actually have a pretty huge um, farmhouse sink. So it's really whatever you want to fit. Um, A lot of tiny houses will put really small dishwashers in. Uh, We didn't have one of those. So that's not something we had to worry about.
0: This may sound like a simple question or a dumb question even, but how do you power a tiny house and how do you get water for the tiny house? Yeah, so
1: it kind of depends on your system. Some people do design theirs to be completely off-grid. That would have been the dream for us, but we realized that doing a solar setup um, was going to be pretty expensive, and we felt that um, at some point we probably won't be in the tiny house, and at that point I'd rather invest in a solar system for kind of like a, I guess, the the dreamed home after the tiny home, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, So, and just being in Northern Minnesota, I just didn't know the logistics of being able to run completely off of solar. Um, We use a mini split for our heating and cooling, which is very energy efficient, but still um, it's 50 amp power. So I think that might be more than a solar um, array could handle with, um, with the fridge. Um, we don't use much for electricity during the summer months for sure. There was one month that was actually like $8 of electricity wow. for the entire year or for the entire month, excuse me. But um, we have all LED lights, so really don't use too much for electricity. And now we finally got our wood stove installed. So we're hoping that our heating um, will be done mostly with the wood stove this winter. Um, but Um, We have basically a main panel just like a a normal house would be and then like an RV we have kind of a plug that we plug in um, to power and then um, The plumbing um, is very similar to an RV as well. We have just a water inlet that we connect to um, City water or whatever is available where we're parked right now. We actually there's an artesian well So um, it's not technically city water, but it's pressurized Uh, We did set it up so we have a onboard water tank. So the idea behind that was we weren't sure if we were necessarily going to have water where we were parked. Technically, we can run off um, a generator for electricity, but that would be very energy intensive um, to do. But um, we kind of worried about water freezing in the winter. So we set it up so we have a onboard water tank Um, so if we want, we could basically fill up the water tank and then disconnect on the outside, but we haven't needed to use that yet because, um, we have a system of a heated water hose connecting, um, to a water source in the winter.
0: Can you talk about some of the ways that you had to be creative when it came to storage in the tiny house?
1: Yeah. So we tried to use every inch of storage we possibly could, which maybe isn't the most, uh, minimalist of us. (laughs) <laughs> but it's a pretty small space for two people, so um our stairs have a lot of storage. We have a closet in there, which is um, very necessary for like winter coats going there. and then um, we also have sweaters and sweatshirts and hats and room for shoes in the store um, in the stairs. and then we also put storage in the um, the loft floors so we made the floors removable so that um, there could be extra storage between the um, I guess the trusses if that um, makes sense Uh, basically there's extra space that wouldn't be used unless uh, unless we had designed it that way so we keep extra like towels and spare sheets and then um, we try to swap out clothes seasonally so In the summer we'll have, you know, shorts and t-shirts and things like, and swimsuits available. Um, and then in the winter, we have winter boots and kind of a whole other wardrobe to switch out. So we use that space to kind of, um, keep the stuff that we don't need to get to every day, but that is um, nice to have on hand.
0: It's so amazing to me just how thoughtful this whole process was and how you really had to pay attention to every single detail when designing the tiny house.
1: Yeah, I guess a few other things. So the couch we got has storage in it. Um, we really like movies. And unlike most people of our generation, we actually have the physical DVTs, <laughs> which is probably also not that uh, minimalist or sustainable of us. But we figured since we have them, uh, might as well use them. We didn't necessarily know what our Wi-Fi or Internet was going to be. So um, having the physical copies allows us to watch them whenever we want. Um, And then another thing was um, our kitchen storage. So we have um, our trash and recycling receptacle is integrated within the cabinetry, which um, is just important to kind of keep it out of the way. And now that we have a dog, it's really nice that it is put away. Um, And then just kind of getting every square inch out of those cabinets. We had a custom cabinetry guy um, add they're called I think two tier drawers. So basically drawers that were pretty deep, um, were able to use all the space in there.
0: Well, for any listeners who follow along on the Instagram account, I'll be posting pictures throughout the week. So you can put a visual to all the different parts of the tiny house that Sophie's mentioning throughout the episode. I know that you post on your Instagram account about how the compost toilet is one aspect that might intimidate people a little bit. Can you talk about how that system works?
1: Yes, everyone wants to know about the compost toilet. (laughs) So, uh, we decided to go with the compost toilet. One, because it is very sustainable in that we use no water um, at all to use it. It's all self-contained. So, um, which came in handy because last, Winter for about a week, our drain line froze, and so we couldn't have any water going down the drain whatsoever. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So we were happy about our decision then. But um, basically, there's um, it's self contained, and there's a kind of two different receptacles so that number one and number two are separated, and that really keeps it from smelling. And um, I call it a compost toilet, not a composting toilet, because they're composting does not actually occur in the toilet um there's a small fan that runs 24 7 um that's connected to the solids so it basically just dries dries it out Mm -hmm. so when we go to empty it there is no smell whatsoever it actually is more stinky to uh dump out the number one which happens more often which is always a surprise and that was a surprise to us as well Um, So basically, the number two has a composting medium. So once we empty it, then we just refill it. And we use coconut core, which is the husk of coconuts. So it's otherwise a waste product. And that just kind of um, keeps everything dried out.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. It doesn't sound that bad or that intimidating. I feel like no,
1: I think I think that it just seems scary and if you know a lot of people probably have had experiences with porta potties or outhouses which usually are not well maintained and um there's you know I can understand why you'd think that a tiny house would uh, or a compost toilet would be disgusting but really there if it's maintained properly there is really no smells to 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 say <laughs> to think.
0: Well, I know you have mentioned a few times that you live in Minnesota and right now you're talking with snow outside your window. So what do you do in the colder months? Are there any steps you have to take to make sure that the tiny house stays warmer in those colder months?
1: Yeah, well, so the first step was when we designed it was making sure that we had adequate insulation, which is hard to do in a tiny house because we actually have two by four framed walls. Most house houses have two by six at least. So you have some extra inches for more insulation. Um, So we used uh, insulation that's called rock wool. So it's a mineral wool insulation, which is actually fireproof also. Um, So that's good because we have a wood stove. um, So we didn't have to do any more um, any more fireproofing than necessary, I guess, or I guess it just kind of gives us peace of mind that our insulation is fireproof. Um, So that's, I guess, step one. We also purchased um, insulated curtains. So if it's really, really cold, we could pull those down and they actually give you a little bit of an R value. Um, And then, as far as preparing for the winter, um, we're still working on skirting for our house. So the idea behind that is that it blocks the wind from going under the trailer. So if you, you know, it gets down to negative 15, negative 20 here sometimes, and if you have that cold of wind blowing under a steel trailer, it's going to really get the bottom of the trailer cold and kind of bring that up. So the idea is to kind of block that off. So we're still working on that. We um, Like I said, it snowed about a foot last year in Thanksgiving, so we never had the chance to do it. We kind of had... Um, snow as our our wind barrier last year Um, (laughs) but we're hoping to get that done hopefully in the next uh, week or so before we really get snow Um, and then we also um, swap our water line out so in the summer we just have like a regular garden hose that is technically for an RV so it's you know you can drink out of it but in the winter we um, switch that out with one that is heated so that takes a little bit more energy, but it just uh, makes sure that our water doesn't freeze on us. And then we also insulate the inlet coming into the tiny house. And then we obviously take the screens off the windows, which I'm not, I have never owned a house. So I don't know if that's a normal thing people do, but um, <laughs> try, trying not to get our screens super stretched out um, in the snow. So take those off.
0: Uh, I live in the South, so we don't really get snow. So I also can't speak to that either. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
1: then there's, oh, and then we have um, propane. That is what heats our on-demand water heater and our, um, our oven slash range. And so we have a heated jacket for that, just to make sure that um, the propane doesn't freeze. It's Enclosed, we have kind of storage units that are attached to the house on the front and the back. And so our propane is in the back. So it's not a heated area. Um, So we just put that on in the winter to make sure that our propane doesn't freeze on us.
0: Wow. So, so interesting. When you, so to zoom out a little bit, can you live in a tiny home? anywhere in the U.S., or what kind of laws and regulations exist around where you decide to actually park your tiny home?
1: Yeah, that definitely is the question, and it's not an easy answer at all. Um, every municipality is different and has different rules. Um, the good news is, is that they are being more recognized. Um, I think the year that we started building, Appendix Q was added to the IBC, which is the International Building Code. And so basically it was an appendix, which means that states could adopt um, it case by case. Um, So basically that kind of provided the framework for um, municipalities to allow tiny houses, but um, it has not been adopted everywhere by any means. Um, There still aren't very many uh, big cities that um, some people are living there and just are not reported. They generally cities aren't out to get you, but if someone reports you, they have to check up on it. Um we're located very rurally and where we are is legal, but um we have to be I my commute during non-COVID times is about thirty five, forty minutes. So um I know there are a couple of cities that have recently passed laws allowing uh, tiny houses as what they call ADUs, which is an accessory dwelling unit. Um, I think Los Angeles recently passed um, something related to tiny houses. So it really is case by case. Um, There are a couple of tiny house communities. Um, I know one's in Colorado. So it really, really just depends where you are.
0: Yeah, that was actually my next question was, is there such thing as tiny house neighborhoods?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm trying to think of the name of the one uh, out in Colorado, but um, there definitely are a few. One of the things that they have to figure out is if they will allow DIY builds, because um, there are a couple different certifications you can get um, if you're going to build your own tiny house, there's um, one that is similar, or it's the same designation that RV mobile homes have. Um, and then there's another one that's kind of a private company that um, basically gives you a stamp of, okay. And uh, we decided not to do either of those because we didn't think that we ever wanted to live in. Kind of a mobile park situation and it just didn't seem worth the money for us to do that um, but it's definitely an option that kind of um, maybe it doesn't give it a legality but it's more of a kind of a stamp of approval and is
0: I guess adds some, some more validity yes, to it yep, or something yes that's
1: correct but there are definitely varying um, opinions on whether or not that's a good thing to have that and Mm. kind of how that should go.
0: Well, you'd think with all the tiny houses and the movement becoming more mainstream and more popular that hopefully regulations will start to be more accommodating of an increase in tiny house populations.
1: So I think what it comes down to is that cities don't want to be the first one to allow anything because they don't want to have to be liable if something goes wrong. Um, So we're hoping that um, as more and more people see this as a viable option, that cities will start recognizing and um, change their laws so it is more accessible to be able to live tiny.
0: Yeah, definitely. So overall, over the time that you've been living in the tiny house, what has been your favorite part so far of tiny house living?
1: So every time I'm asked this question, I never really have the best response, but usually I say that it's just been really rewarding that we built it ourselves and that it has kind of been everything we thought it would be, and that it really has allowed us to live live our values out. And um, like I said, it, now that it's been over a year since we were building, it kind of sometimes forget that we did we did build it. but when you kind of wake up and, um, our loft, we have a window right by the loft. It's. I think it's really neat just to be able to wake up and be able to see outside. Um, one of the things that we like about tiny living is that since it is smaller, you do tend to want to go outside sometimes. And so um, one of the goals was just, you know, to be able to have the time to go and do the things we we love, which for us is a lot of things outdoors. We're pretty close to the boundary waters here which is um, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. Um, And we like biking and just getting out and exploring the world outside. So I think tiny house living has definitely allowed us to do that.
0: Well, it's like you talked about earlier with the woman's memoir who you read, how she talked about becoming so much more in touch with nature through living in the tiny home. So it sounds like you've had a similar experience.
1: Yeah, it's definitely when it's really cold, we can tell when you wake up because there'll be frost on the windows. And that's definitely not something that I noticed when I was living uh, in apartments.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything that has surprised you so far that you didn't expect?
1: I think you just really adapt to your settings. We thought that having kind of a small fridge might be pretty difficult um, and really... I think we've just gotten used to how it is, and you kind of once you're you're attuned and um, just I don't know a lot of people still can't believe. So technically, it's uh, 324 square feet, and 100 of those square feet are the two lofts. So really, most of the time we're living in 224 square square feet, which sounds tiny, and I I don't understand that sounds tiny, but it really is not uh, is not a constraint for us. Um, We have everything we need and we have more counter space than we've ever had before too. So um, we've really, really enjoyed it.
0: I know that quarantine has tested a lot of families and couples relationships. Do you ever just need space living in such a tiny space with someone else and a dog?
1: (laughs) I would say yes, uh, of course. I think that's just life that you kind of need your own space every so often but um we have even though they might not be distinct rooms we have a living room we have like a seating area and then we have two lofts so if someone really needs space and doesn't want to go outside you can go in either of the lofts but often um if we just are on each other's nerves we'll just one of us will just go take a walk and that probably (laughs) (laughs) kind of solves the problem
0: So do you and Henry plan on staying in Minnesota or do you have any plans to move the tiny house somewhere else?
1: So right now we really, really enjoy where we are. Um, Our tiny house, we didn't design it to be on the move a lot. It's pretty, pretty heavy and we'd have to basically empty everything out um, to be able to move it um, without things shifting and things like that. So for us, moving the tiny house isn't as simple as just hooking it up and going, Um, especially once we put the um, skirting on the trailer, like all that will have to be removed. So we don't have any plans right now to move, but um, we definitely um, will leave it open as an option. One of the great things about having a tiny house on wheels is that you can move it. So there's always the potential to do that. Um, Originally, when we were thinking about going tiny, we had originally thought about um, taking it out to the Pacific Northwest or somewhere out West. But when we really got down to it, we realized that there wasn't really a reason that we wanted to do that other than we didn't want to be in the Twin Cities, which is where we both um, grew up and we just kind of were ready for a change. So I guess the short answer is no, but uh, never say never.
0: Well, I love following along with your journey on Instagram. So can you tell the listeners where they can find you and learn all about your tiny house?
1: Yeah, so you can find us at Rad Tiny Home. And I love to share about just our lifestyle um, in the tiny house, but also low waste tips and kind of our journey towards zero waste.
0: And I know you have an exciting new sustainable gift guide that is going to be coming out. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so um, probably, I don't know, six months ago, maybe less than that, I launched a um, sustainable guide, but I thought that since it is around the holidays, it would be fun to do kind of a gifting guide. Um, According to the EPA, um, Americans on average create about 25% more waste during the holidays. So um, I thought it would be a good time to kind of share my thoughts on that. So that will be available through the link in my bio on Instagram if you're interested in checking it out. But basically, um, I go over kind of my philosophy when gifting and kind of just things to keep in mind that um, when you're buying gifts, the ways that you could be more sustainable.
0: Great. Well, that's everyone should definitely go check that out. And for the last question, I like to ask all of my guests what they are hopeful about. So what are you hopeful about right now? So I am
1: very hopeful um, that next year when the new administration gets in office, that we will rejoin the Paris Agreement and that um, a lot of renewable energy um, kind of advances will really start getting rolling in the next four years. Um, I'm also very hopeful that I think that there are a lot of young people out there who are interested in sustainability and interested in working towards more green energy, and um, I hope that, I hope that as a country, we are realizing that um, the need to address our climate issues are definitely coming to fruition finally.
0: Yes, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for being here today. I learned so much about tiny houses, so I really think the listeners are going to enjoy hearing all about your journey and will maybe even be inspired to consider living tiny themselves. So thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. This is lots of fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection until next time. Stay hopeful and stay sustainable.